had a sticky that I put on my monitor that said, control is an illusion. And once I just let go and trusted that the process is progress, mm. everything clicked for me. Welcome to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast by Coralis, a global community of women and non-binary people making real progress on the world's to-do list. Together, we're transforming the world to become more equitable and sustainable. So just wanting to start off by introducing this exciting partnership that we have been having with Dark Matter Labs. And it has been an exciting evolution of working together, learning from one another. And we're going to talk today about how we started, what we've learned and where we're going next. Um, and so just wanting to let you all introduce yourself, who's here. Let's start with Anastasia. What's your name? What do you do? And what brings you here? Thank you, Danielle. And I'm actually really excited to be doing this just because you know how much we love working with your organization. So Anastasia, I'm actually in Montreal, in Quebec, uh, so in Canada, but I'm part of a pretty awesome and unique, um, I guess we call it a planetary organization, meaning we are across the planet uh, and we're constantly shifting where we are in, um, in terms of geographical places, which is what makes us diverse and exciting. Um, and in terms of what I do, so again, I work for dark matter, which means nothing is um, as simple as just saying your role. So at Dark Matter, we actually constantly shift our roles. I can say my background is in finance, coming from more the debt side of finance, so uh, working for banks and on the corporate side, helping to start and the first impact bank in Canada, working as well in impact investing. So sort of coming from that background, but in a dark matter, I do focus on our both internal capital and external capital, but that's just the focus. I, to be honest, innovate and explore and often have finance as an angle and also have often real estate as an angle. Um, but I equally sit in many conversations where I am just learning and listening and try and actually not to think through finance lens because that's um, narrowing it too much and more start trying to think from other lenses. Thanks, Anastasia. So exciting to hear. And Yanni, we'd love for you to introduce yourself. Yes, uh, my name is Yanni. I'm uh, based in Malmo in Sweden, so other side of the large water and yes Anastasia said like we it's very much um, an exploratory kind of organization we're part of uh, and uh, just just like Anastasia again like what we our background is not necessarily what we do uh, within Dark Matter Lab so I'm a trained architect and designer but work mostly as strategic designer with constructing uh, possible futures, maybe one could say. And also recently uh, working a lot with um, economy, um, but via art and how to look at economy and communicate economy in different ways. Thank you for sharing. I think I can go next. My name is Danielle. I'm based in Toronto, Canada. And I've been working with CEO for about a year and a half now. And one of the things that um, struck me as you both were introducing yourselves was how multidisciplinary our experiences are. And it can be so challenging to just <laughs> introduce yourself 
and what your role is in, in a one-liner, I find that very challenging personally. And so what I work on at SheEO is quite emergent. It is wherever my interests and curiosity takes me. And I really have been focusing a lot on systems thinking, as well as any strategy that we have um, to move our organization forward. And what I love about this partnership is being able to fuse my creativity with how we can look at different disciplines, fields, and industries and have someone like an artist um, trained architect with someone who is a finance and economist and what that actually means for the model that we have created and experimented with here. I think that's what is really exciting for me. And I just wanted to start us off with reflections on our partnerships evolution, because as Yanni had mentioned, um, talking a lot about the economy, uh, we started off this mandate of working with one another, I believe in the fall, and the initial idea was to talk about decentralized capital, because that is what CEO was doing. And I want to dig into that a little bit more. What inspired this initial mandate that you had presented to us in uh, first forming this partnership? Well, maybe I'll start. And uh, the truth is, uh, Yeni and I, uh, I think we were both uh, just excited about your organization and what you've done. Um, even before uh, going into mandate discussions with you, um, I remember talking to Yeni and just saying that I've, uh, you know, I've crossed the wiki in my previous uh, profession and uh, what's always been um, inspiring to see truthfully is the fact that um, your organization and wiki as the founder of it, you walk the talk, right? So there's a lot, you, you simply manifest and you are brave enough to um, evolve by, by walking, right? So you don't sort of, uh, simply say that you're going to react to a challenge in a certain way. You actually have manifested how you reacted to challenges a certain way and how you've stayed true to your values or if you were. And so to me, that um, that's always fascinated me because we are in a world of exploration and discovery. And there's a lot of academic research that goes into that world. There's a lot of sort of theor theories and thinking through theories and visions, but very few organizations actually walk the talk. And so that's what I think has attracted both of us because again, we are with dark matter, we are often with organizations that have big visions and those could be governments that have big visions and inspirations. But how do you actually look at somebody and say, how have they done it? How have they reacted to a difficult situation? Uh, when they were challenged, did they stay true to their values or did they quickly um, go back to the sort of the standards that they the, the very standards they're trying to move away from and so I think that's how it started just really been inspired and honestly also because as you know your organization you are quick in a sense that it wasn't a difficult conversation to say we are dark matter we this is what we try to do are you interested and the question wasn't trying to go through five or 10 iterations of are you interested the, the the way to do it was like okay let's get on a call and talk about it. right so it was also like in that sense it was wonderful um and i think we started because dark matter in in a lot of different areas like we call them sectors but it could be whatever name we use missions we are often um and we we evolve in ourselves so we evolve where we focus but back in the fall 
we were focusing a lot on what we were calling co-benefits and spillover values, right? And so we were saying, and, and sort of this interwining of something that like of a linear relationship crossing with another linear relationship and realizing it's anything but linear. And so we and we we were looking at that in nature. So how do trees affect mental health? How do trees affect the way during COVID you perform in your own home and the mental agility that you you'd establish? Or how does a neighborhood development from a real estate point of view, how does it affect the community? And how does that then affect the, the younger generations, the older generations? Again, and we were often working on it in COVID and sort of realizing how much those spillover values are important. And, and so we started, I think, because we were looking at your organization and we actually started looking at ventures, I believe, in the beginning. And we were just saying that just the fact that you are providing capital differently, and as you said, in a decentralized way, not in a central top-down way, in a regenerative way, just that has had an enormous effect on ventures. And then the ventures themselves had an enormous effect on their communities, both from a human point of view, so the founders of ventures, how they interact with their families, how they interact with their friends, their network, but also the economic effect of the communities. And so I think we started by saying, well, could we map that out? Mm, yes, this is actually reminding me now that my involvement in this partnership started because the venture impact report and being able to exactly play that more interactively uh, to our community and really show the whole as well as the parts is something that I first explored when I began working here. And it's interesting what you're saying about uh, CEO uh, being an organization that does a lot of the systems doing as well as the systems thinking. I, I see that a lot. And I think it's almost like we've done it backwards, right? Like we're just constantly experimenting, doing, putting things into practice, action. And oftentimes it can be very challenging for us to even explain what it is that we do. Um, so we look to you and other partners to reflect back what it is that they are seeing. Um, so yeah, I, I find that to be a really good reminder of where we actually came from. And Yanni, what was it that drew you to this partnership and how you wanted to apply your disciplines to um, what it is that we were working on together at the beginning? Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what Anastasia said, um, because I think we were in a mindset where this was like spot on exactly what we wanted to study more and like explore and um but also, um, like before this, like it, the year before we started, uh, I had been working with um, municipalities and like sustainable work for them. And it felt like it always, like we, we reached ends constantly when we started to talk about money because there was a lack of money or, or municipalities needed to shift the money or not use it where we thought they, they should. Um, and I was really interested in looking at the way she worked because of the way that you raise capital for something, but in a new way. And then um, I thought it would be interesting to try to kind of, I don't know, understand uh, more deeply how you how you have done it, how you constructed that. And if we could then apply that as well like on, on other projects in, you know, for example, like a greener city, how could citizens uh, raise capital in new ways for other other projects and other ideas. 
Amazing. And let's talk a little bit about some of the methodologies that we initially used in mapping some of these benefits, co-benefits, spillover values, and um, really the complex nature of the ecosystem that we've been building here. Talk to me a little bit about um, the methodologies that you used initially. Well, I think because we are we work with systems and we're system thinkers and we're system explorers, what we've started looking at is what we would call your organization's cosmos, right? And then trying to understand. And the best way to do that was, yes, we had, you've given us right away the reports and you've given us the data uh, from, uh, I believe it was 2020 reports and sort of, we obviously had your website to work with, but where we quickly uh, went to is also talking to, you, to yourself and to Vicky, just because of the need to, again, your cosmos is constantly shifting so your system is not a static system it's a life system and it's a system that's gone through many many reiterations and from and it's not sort of one being better than the other it's this constant evolution and it was there was a reason why there was evolving in a certain way and we wanted to understand because otherwise we felt like we would just look at numbers and give you the static mapping where we want we didn't want to do that and in fact i think and i'll let yeni speak about this more we didn't want to do mapping in the sense of you know the traditional sort of uh, a map of this line goes here and then the other line goes here we wanted to do an art piece because we thought that that represents um your organization much better and Yeni, that's where I think you you were, it was so lovely to work together. Yeah, I mean, with pen and paper, uh, I think we all together kind of tried to take a step back and, and look at everything, like everything that Shio does, like in your own world. I think we call it the cosmos as well, like on the drawing, but uh, but also how that sits in society, like in a larger perspective. And and as we said before, like the, the spillover values and what, what actually is CEO doing uh, in relation to, uh, to society? Um, and then to easier kind of share a story, read the story, like create a visual story of this, the mapping or the artwork is super important because you, you kind of, you get um, an understanding much easier and much like in a more clear way. And then also, as Anastasia said, we were really trying to create a drawing that had a bit of depth, but also movements and and not necessarily like going from a to b but like how how things go back and how they're like looping and how knowledge is uh, constantly turning but also also the money but also like uh, human beings and the the values of of the social interactions that you have within geo but also outwards like towards um, the rest of the world and just to add to that, and you'll probably get this from just listening to the podcast, is also Yeni and I, like our methodologies are fairly different, which is what made this working together with you um, special. So I was actually during my methodology, I was very clear that I want to come out with a formula, a formula that would represent Shio and this whole approach to capital, right? Like how does it form capital? How does it, what are the spillover values of Shio itself? And I think Yeni, and this is we, we were doing that intentionally was looking very much of the narrative the narrative of the story the narrative of the through visual and through um through dialogue right like so how do you, and i think we were both using our methodologies and trying to fuse that together that's great i just was reflecting back on how 
We say at our organization that we are at all different ages and stages and different things resonate with different people. And we really appreciate the ways that people process information, how they experience the world and what their unique perspective is of what this community is all about. And that's why it's our challenge to say that so simply because it is a very complex and dynamic thing. And we have been trying to access language and words to speak about what it is we do. Sometimes we look to numbers and quantitative measures, which resonate for a section of folks. And then really it is this visual feelings-based way and really bringing more emotion into how you can talk about our impact and what it is that we do and having something for everybody that they can understand what resonates for them and using different languages and tools, which is a really uh, comprehensive way to talk about what it is that we do. And so I wanna talk a little bit about this. It's not a static thing. It's very dynamic, very nonlinear. And the visual actually that was developed, the transformation loop, the Nautilus, I think that was a really helpful tool for us that we continue to build on and really helped to show the pathway of what it is to be in this community and the spiral journey that people take here in their transformation of self and systems. So Yanni, can you talk to me a little bit about what inspired the transformation loop in the Nautilus shell imagery that you had proposed when you were doing your sketches and thinking about how you could do this in an artful way? Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's a while ago now, but I think as I remember it, I mean, it was all of these uh, amazing dialogues that we had. I mean, it took some time before the before this shell started to kind of uh, emerge. And I know I have here loads of uh, old sketches and drawings that, that I was just doing while we were talking together as well. Uh, but it was something really important with the whole journey. I also remember that you sent us some really, really interesting and nice videos from from like small gatherings and uh, workshops that you'd had where all the participants, like the language they used when they talked about what they had just been through, I thought was really, really uh, moving and powerful because it's not necessarily what I had in mind when you know, when you go to a workshop uh, venture, uh, like, I mean, that I've, I've been there before at those things and it's not at all what um, how people spoke about it. So it was something really important with sharing and giving, like the gift as well, like you give something and you get something back. So that, I mean, to, to have a loop, I just felt like that's how it needs to be. But then there were so many different types of loops and different ways of gifting happening at the same time. And therefore this whole kind of shell form came about but maybe most necessarily, like all of these loops, they kind of grow into like a larger transformation upwards. Uh, and that is still like on the drawing that's quite open at the moment, I would say, which I think is really beautiful. Like we, we don't know exactly everything that will come out of this and how it's going to affect people around us or society as a whole. Yeah, we've really been looking to organic forms and inspiration of nature and really mm. seeing the interrelation between everything, because as we were experiencing here, everything is connected, right? So really love to see all of that come to life in a drawing. So thank you so much, Jenny, for, for bringing that forward to us. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your formula, Anastasia. What was the 
idea behind this formula and what did you learn through going through all of our content and all of the different things that we were speaking about and how did you develop kind of this formula? Well, the inspiration, I think, or the question for formula came from, from our conversation, but also coming myself from a corporate background, a finance background, I've seen uh, many organizations that try to have impact. And usually the way the world assesses them is they look at their capital base or they look at how many ventures they funded or how many, what's the fault rate or success rate. I mean, there's certain measurements and very quickly became evident with, with your organization that actually the numbers that we use um, and the traditional formulas or measures we apply, they, they don't at all represent what is it you've been able to create. And so, and yet um, I come from a world where I often find, because I've helped start the impact bank, we often have organizations that are impact that sort of try to come in and influence the overall system, right? Or the, the existing market system. And they're never taken seriously, either because they don't have any numbers to, to back themselves up with, because they just decided to completely go away from measurements, or they, they decided not to uh, want to speak the same language. And I think that if you live within your own cosmos, you can do that. But if you actually try to influence and try to show different pathways for this for the traditional system that exists, then it is important to at least start with the same base, but then show alternatives. And that's what I've tried to do with the formula. I've tried to say, you can still uh, represent Shio, not in numbers, because the numbers don't speak for the at all for the, the but you can have a different numbers because you've created different inputs and so and so i wanted to be able to give shio um literally an ability to come to any big investor and say that actually uh where you put in capital right now is completely uh linear in the sense of it's sort of you put in a dollar a fiat currency and you get two back or you put in a dollar and the venture can put it forward one to one when you look at shio it's an absolute multiplier effect. And the reason it's a multiplier effect is because things that we normally discount, things that we actually give absolutely zero value to, like care, um, like gifting, um, like uh, trust, like generosity, those are actually incredible fusing powers. And so if you have them in the, in the formula and you use, you can still use a dollar or your $92 a month contribution as sort of you almost like the very first gift, your base. And you can then add, uh, let's say you have a, a BMO uh, that also contributes capital. You can add, so you can start with money. But then very quickly, you can start understanding why is your organization having the impact it's having, because actually that money is being fused. Well, it, it, it's as I've been, there are other types of capital that's been added to it, right? So all the capital we talk about, the seven types of capital, the social capital, the knowledge capital, that ends up being added to the value, to the money, to the money. But then it's been fused, so multiplied by, by trust, care, generosity. And those are, that's why whatever is that $92 has the type of impact that, that, that Shio does. And so that, but for me, it was important to be able to articulate that, right? And to show that in a way. And so it's, it was, 
not as much as a formula as an equation, right, that you can then use as a base and explain why that care is the very reason that for um, the activator's impact on both uh, the ventures, but also on their own lives, the ventures impact on activators and then their own ecosystem and shio's impact on everything, right? Like there is there's a reason for that and that equation manifests that reason. Yeah, and I mean, it was never really about using the equation to measure it to a T. Exactly. How can you measure some things that if you measure it, does it reduce the value of the multiplier things like radical generosity, care, and trust. And so what I really loved about the equation and formula that you had put forward was these are the elements and the ingredients that make the CEO ecosystem very special and how we've come together to fuse our various forms of capital. And what we have come to learn is these are the gifts that we bring to the ecosystem and what an alternative economy based on this initial experiment of distributed capital has evolved into. And so as we were starting with a decentralized capital narrative of starting with money and then layering on all of these other elements to the multiplier of trust and transformation, we started to learn about maybe what we have unearthed is a gift economy. And so that really was a gift in itself, wasn't it? Absolutely. And, and how we organically got there. So yes, absolutely. I remember I was just doing some reading because I'm always reading about very different topics. And I was actually trying to get back into my creative practice. And so I was actually reading a book by Lewis Hyde called The Gift. And the very first chapter really inspired me about the conversations we were having with this dynamic flow, one of our values is capital in flow, because the point of the gift is you have to keep it moving, right? It's not static, it's dynamic. And so I was sharing with you, um, please read this chapter. I really think that there's something there. And tell me a little bit more about that journey from going to decentralized capital narrative to gift economy and what was going on. Yeah, and I think maybe, Yeni, if you could start, because as I said, we actually, as an organization, we only take mandates and we only work with partners that allow this growth of each other, right? In a very, like, almost like the nurturing of each other. So by, we've actually had many dialogues ourselves with other partners externally and internally around exactly that. What is capital? What is decentralized capital? What, where does the gift economy and alternative types of capital sit in? So the conversations we were having were very much uh, beautifully merging with the other conversations and explorations that dark matter was going through. And so I think this is where the gift economy resonated so well, because Yeni, I think you were exploring the gift economy already. Yeah, yeah. No, but as I said, also having worked with so many other projects, I think there is uh, like a much larger dialogue to have about generosity right now in the world like in in so many in so many layers because i think that could really shift and change all of the topics that we are exploring and that we're trying to you know find solutions for not only economic structures like this but i mean sustainability 
uh, in general, I, I see it as very much based on generosity and, and like thinking larger, thinking about not only yourself and where you sit and not only about your own time, but like a longer time perspective as well. So I, I thought that was like deeply, deeply interesting to, um, to learn more and to see more and hear more and talk more. And I'm still <laughs> still in the middle of it. Like, I don't think we've reached uh, a space where we fully understand it or where we know how to apply it. More of a philosophical perspective, I think. And also, Daniel, just to add, I remember reading Braiding Sweetgrass and there's a chapter on economy. And the chapter wasn't, it was a very economic chapter in some way. And what it showed me, and I remember being inspired by it and then seeing the same type of conversations emerge in our work with uh, decentralized capital, let's say in UK and other places. And it's the, the fact that it's not that market economy is evil and let's say barter economy um, is everything, right? It's the fact that market economy has emerged to have certain underlying assumptions that we take as now they are sort of embedded, but in fact, there are assumptions that humans have made. So for example, one of the assumptions is that we don't trust each other. Right? The trust is not something that's a given. And so because of those assumptions, we started having certain features in the market economy, like legal contracts, and that legal contracts is what enforces trust and anything outside the legal contracts is not enforceable. And then because of those assumptions and those features, we started having human behavior. And so the human behavior then became, well, I, because I can't trust and because I, there's always an ability of someone to be smarter than me and put something in the legal contracts that I will miss because the idea is to sort of try to take advantage as much as possible of this, of these assumptions we've created. I will only focus on what is it I can gain. So all of a sudden, uh, priority became on self-optimization. And, and then out of that, the market economy became all about well, if everybody self-optimizes, what the result of that is growth for those self-optimizing. But what actually is happening is extraction from everybody else. And so for me, what was really interesting reading, reading Sweetgrass and looking at other uh, projects, but then of course, also starting to understand uh, your organization more and more is the fact that actually it is possible to have an alternative market economy. There is that the market economy itself is not evil. What's just happened is that the evolution of it and the assumptions that we've embedded into it, they're the ones that we could we need to revisit. And this is why that equation we were looking at. And so the idea of, for example, where, where does trust sit in this? And maybe a market economy that we built, we still could have market economy. We could still have price as one of the points of optimization. But if we embed a market economy where trust, generosity, and care are not something to be seen as potential core benefits and measurements, but actually be seen as the absolute essential core assumptions. And that's what a lot of indigenous economies were based on, right? They were the, very much the values were that those were the core values. Then you could construct a market economy that actually doesn't put growth above everything else or extraction above everything else. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you're trying to build new systems. You're trying to build new models, forget the old ones, but it actually doesn't work like that. We can't just start from ground zero, right? And so is it a parallel market? How do we move forward? I don't think we have the answers, as Yanni said. We're still really only scratching the surface of what this looks like and how it interacts with the technologies in our future that are becoming something to watch out for. 
And I'm just curious to hear how you interpret what it is that we've built here in terms of the parallel economy or how SHEO sits within the cosmos. For me, I look at it not so much uh, like the actual product or what you're doing, but like in a larger scale that you're actually questioning a system that most people tend to think of as, as fixed. Like there's an economic system and that's in a structure that is kind of uh, steady and you, you shouldn't really mess around with it, but you do. What I think is like even maybe more interesting than, than what you're doing, but that you're questioning the system, that you, you're brave enough to go, actually, there, there, there can be other ways or, you know, let's explore them. Uh, let's see what happens if we do this or if we do that or if we go right instead of left. That's massively inspiring. And it's like really disrupting, uh, like not just the system, but like your mindset and how, how we behave as human beings. We're always iterating and always experimenting. And I think as you might have gleaned from our partnership, we have been meeting weekly and I want to talk a little bit more about what it's been like to work with one another because we started off with this initial concept and idea and as everything we fuse all of our gifts and what it is that we're bringing to this partnership and really it has become such a fascinating thought partnership and as you had mentioned Yenny, it isn't really the product or the results we did have an aim to produce an art piece as well as some form of paper formula that we could then present out into our community and hope that it resonates with somebody. But really what we had learned was the gift was in just being able to talk through some of these concepts together and see what would emerge from conversations just like this. So we'd love to hear from your perspective what it has been like to have these weekly conversations and what was coming up for you um, during those times. Well, I can maybe just say for me, it has been really interesting because as you can probably imagine, Dark Matter for me is not a type of organization that I worked for many times over. It's the first time that I work for an organization like Dark Matter. And so I often feel that as I evolve in my learnings, so I do uh, any mandate we work on, I mean, it challenges uh, a lot of my underlying sort of core core knowledge, but also allows me to innovate it, but also it evolves me very much as a human being. Um, and especially because I come from, as, as Yeni has put, from such a fixed system, right? Finance and corporations, there's a reason they all run a certain way. And because if you start messing with that, they all fall apart, right? And so when you work, for, so I worked for 17 years in, the, in that industry. And so when I come to dark matter where we question everything, right? It's, it's an evolution. Um, but what's been wonderful uh, working with you is that, um, and I quickly realized it because, I mean, I feel the profile of someone you would have as an activator, right? So, I mean, I come from that professional background and, and I, I do invest in, in, urban, in other organizations. So I've been in a part of investors groups. But what's become very interesting is to realize you're actually being an activator with you is very different in a way that liberated me. Like, so for example, it made me realize that uh, what your activators probably go through is, is this loops of almost unraveling your own personal emotions, what it's like to, like, so for example, being a woman who's always been 
put into the position of achieving and then position of authority, what it has created in your own personal dynamics. And so I was able to go through those loops while in the conversations with you. And I was able to also realize that sometime often actually, it's this co-evolution of the two of our group sort of talking through things that was the biggest gift, right? It wasn't, as I said, like the, the products, yes, there is outputs and they're important because it's almost like, you know, artifacts, right? Of the knowledge, like we've, we've, we've put it somewhere, but those artifacts are dynamic, right? But what's been amazing is just to be able to be on the calls and sometimes have no idea whether we're going in the right direction and being almost held, right? By, by you uh, and being sort of allowed space. And at the other times, doing the opposite where you and Vicky would be in the calls and you would very much say, oh, didn't, like we, this is great. We actually allowed us to see something and you, you see that you've contributed in that way, in that very moment, like to have that, that space. I, it's rare we work with organizations that where that happens. Yeah, we really talk about bringing our whole selves into our work. And I know that that resonates a lot with how you both work at your respective organization, Dark Matter Labs. And I speak a lot about one of my favorite things is just witnessing the self-transformation that can happen when you get into deep relationship with one another. I think that's one of the things mm. that is most undervalued about our organization and how there is this mutual co-benefit and reciprocity, right? Absolutely. That we we're experiencing firsthand. And systems transformation, that is something that is so complex that people don't even know how can I pretend, like possibly uh, contribute to that. And really it does start with a transformation and trust in yourself. And so that really resonates with me. And I've witnessed both of you transforming over our um, weekly sessions. And I've just been loving to see where we have been evolving together. would love to hear from you, Yanni. Um, any thoughts that you have on that? Yeah, I mean, working for Darkman Labs, we're also spread out in the world, which means we sit in so many meetings, like digital meetings uh, constantly. But I've, I noticed that before every single call that we had, there was no stress. I've, I just felt calm and like happy to catch up once a week, which says something about how how we work together and what we've been doing and like the dialogues we've had. It's, it's it's been like a high ceiling, like we've talked about really large topics, but also without stress and without like pushing each other with uh, crazy deadlines or um, like exploring in a calm way. And then now after a while, the, the outputs are, are enormous. So there's also, for me, like a proof that there's no, there's, it's not necessary, there's no necessary stress in coming up with uh, good solutions or ideas or collaborations. So no, it's, it's, it's been really, really nice. That really reminds me of a learning um, that I had in my very first month working here. I had a sticky that I put on my monitor that said, control is an illusion. And once I just let go, and trusted that the process is progress, mm. everything clicked for me. And I bring that into all of the things that I have been working on here and just letting go. And I bring that in our recent name change that we've been doing. And so we're constantly evolving, constantly iterating and noticing what's happening next for us. And so I really thank you for taking the time to reflect with me. And it's just been such a gift to work together 
I am excited to release what it is that we have been doing. And I'd love to just preview to our community what it is that we're working on next, because as Yeni had mentioned, we are only scratching the surface here and we're still really looking to dive deeper into some of these topics and continue speaking to one another. So um, if anybody would like to talk about what it is that we're working on next. As Yeni said, I think it's an exploration, right? And I think it's an exploration that in some ways is very tangible. For example, one of the things that we are doing is looking at other organizations around the world that have that are on the spectrum, right? Of like, and it's not even a spectrum, a linear spectrum, but almost like there is this idea of some of these organizations are, for example, still operating within the traditional market premises, right? They still have traditional types of assets, traditional types of capital, but then everything of how they actually interact with the with the ecosystem is completely different, right? So it could be the way they're owned, right? The way they are, there's no hierarchy within the organization, there's no contracts, right? And they insist on no contracts with, with all their suppliers because they want everything to be based on trust. So looking at those organizations, looking at organizations that are completely out of the uh, money economy, right? And they operate on different types of currencies or they operate on actually like a, a co-ownership that works on a very different types of uh, capital. So I think one of the things we, we, we're doing is looking at all those organizations. Also, now that we have a, an understanding of SHIO, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say that because as I said, I think your organization, just like you said, your name is evolving, right? You're constantly evolving. You're brave in that, is that you're challenging yourself. And as Yeni has pointed out, Everything that everyone else says cannot be changed. It's absolutely, this is how it is. It's been like this forever. You change this, you unravel the entire system. You say, oh yes, really? Activators cannot be ventures. Ventures cannot be activators because in the corporate world, there's a wall between them. Actually, we, we're going to completely rethink that. So, and even what, what is a SHIO role, right? Are you an intermediary? What kind of intermediary? What does intermediary means? Well, why do we assume intermediary has to play that role? And so I think for us, it's interesting as we're looking at other organizations, as we're getting to know you more and more, but also seeing, right, everything you're challenging. I think there's learning in that. And we also want to, in some ways, still from a systems point of view, understand what are the commonalities. And this is why I love working with Yeni. I think the commonalities is human emotions. This is the, this is the, the, the amazing part is whether it's a, Web3 organization, whether it's a real estate co-op, whether it's SHIO or another organization, the commonality is actually what brought those um, individuals together. And what is it that they're trying to create? Yeah, I'm really excited about the possibilities of just showing people that alternative economies are possible. In fact, they already existed prior to the ones that we know today as what is conventional norm. And it's not that those can't shift. We just have to make the choice to dream up and have an imagination beyond what it is that we have today. So thank you both for joining me in this conversation. And I can't wait to hear what comes next. Thank you for listening to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast. Let us know what you thought of the episode and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks at www.coralis.world.